Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Front Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And it's been a chaotic few weeks. I've been sick. Um, there have been technical difficulties, but everything seems to be back in order now. Um, Will will be making his long-awaited return to Drunk Gossip in the in a week or so, hopefully. Um, there are no set plans as of yet, but uh, he and I have been in, in contact and we've been talking. Um, so I just want to let you know that um, thing, some things happened and I ended up having to stay a little bit longer than originally planned, but um, things are calming down and it seems as if we are going to be moving um, to the new Drunk Gossip Studios, like I said, in a week or so. Um, I'll keep you updated throughout the week. Um, our regular our regular schedule should be um, happening as of now, but of course, shit happens. <laughs> and speaking of shit happening, did y'all see Jake Paul's wedding to Tana? Girl, those motherfuckers are in a fake relationship. Okay. Even Logan Paul has stated um, in an interview last week that he thought that the relationship wasn't real, that it was moving too fast, and that it didn't make any sense. When your own brother, who is notorious for doing, you know, doing stuff just for publicity purposes, is starting to say it, you know, I think it's it's perhaps time to take a look at that. So yesterday, um, Sunday, July 28th, Jake Paul and Tana got married. And let me just tell you this, all right? That shit was weird as fuck. So his best friend, Jake's best friend, um, served as the officiant. However, there, one of the things that are leading people to wonder if this is a real marriage or even a real relationship is the fact that there are there's no marriage license. And... In case you don't know, or, um, you know, you may not be well-versed in the laws, you have to have a marriage certificate or marriage license in order to be, you know, married. Um, um, Logan Paul said in another interview... And I think it was Saturday um, when asked what advice he would give to Jake. Don't get married at 22. Or don't get married when you're 22. Um, and apparently, Tom's ring is a $125 cubic zirconium ring. Now, I know some people are going to say, oh, it's not the size of the ring. It's not how expensive it is. Bull. Let me tell you, if my guy came at me with a $125 ring, that shit's going to be thrown back in his face. All right? No. Mm-mm. I'm not saying it has to be, you know, $100,000 or $200,000, but something nice. 
you know, that shows that he's thought about this for a while, that he's actually wanting to take this next step. And my guy is not a millionaire. Jake Paul brings in two to three million dollars per year. He can easily afford a nicer ring. So it's almost like they're making a mockery of all of this, um, which I think is adding fuel to the fake relationship speculation. So at the ceremony yesterday, there were, um, after exchanging the vows, a guest threw a glass of champagne at Jake which devolved into a huge fist fight. And again, I just have to ask, like, what kind of decorum is this? Because this is not anything that I've ever seen before. And let me tell you, my family has had some doozies. You know, the... (laughs) But we've never fought at a wedding before. Um, and then the after party, the reception happened at the sugar factory. And, um, it's a 262 person capacity. It was filled to the rim. And apparently the, the, um, the reception ended early because, um, the sugar factory owner wasn't apparently not pleased. Jake Paul said, the owner of the sugar factory is trying to shut us down right now. Loki, he's being a bitch. Now, I just do want to point out that last time we talked about Jake Paul and Tana's relationship, um, it was via the blind gossip revealed that they were actually in a real relationship, but they're both publicity whores. So there is a chance that the relationship is real, but this whole marriage thing is faked. Um, to get maximum exposure because during all of this chaos, Tana was filming a new YouTube video. I'm sorry. Like, I will take the day off of work for any reason. <laughs> um, but if, if it's my wedding, you best believe my ass is taking the day off. So I think that gives a little bit more credence to this is just a big publicity ploy. Of course, I'm going to stay on top of the story. I'm expecting a ton of blind items coming out of this. Um, So I will bring them to you tomorrow as they develop. For right now, though, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. Okay, so just before I get into the story about Taraji P. Henson, I want you all to know I've tried to do this segment three times. I am so done. If this doesn't work, we ain't doing it. I ain't doing it again. I'm just going to go ahead and and post it. Um, And I will let you know in the next segment why I did that. Um, um, So this is a breaking story. Um, Traji P. Henson's identity has been stolen by a Chicago woman, Alicia Newby. Alicia is pregnant with her seventh child and suffers from bipolar disorder, according to her public defender. I don't know if he's trying to use that, if he's trying to position that as 
the reason for her doing this or um, if, if that's like going to be the defense or what's going on. Keep in mind that since this is a breaking story, um, details are going to be a little bit more scarce than, than normal. Um, I'm going to bring them to you as I get them, but there's not a lot of information right now. What we do know is Alicia Newby was arrested over the weekend um, and she was in court this morning. Um, she is out on bail. Um, she uh, she had a $10,000 signature bond. Uh, she, ha- she had to agree to um, electronic monitor- mon- monitoring. Um, and she also had to agree to... Um, that she wasn't going to leave the state, obviously. Which, at... As she's pregnant, it, she doesn't seem like much of a flight risk. Um, so how did all of this happen? Well, what we're looking at right now is this. She charged up $12,000 in, in fraudulent charges. Now... There's some debate as to how much of that was from Taraji and how much of that was from, um, if this was like a cumulative total or if this was just from Taraji. What we know, what we do know for sure is that $4,000 of it was canceled by Taraji's business manager. He noticed that these charges were there. And knew that they were not correct because they were being the items that were bought were being sent to um, the south side of Chicago, where Traji has no um, no connection. So um, once he traced that down, he took it to the cops and said, "Hey, this isn't right. Something's wrong." So police began investigating, and during the course of the investigation, they discovered that um, a post delivery man, a post office delivery man, I should say, uh, refused to deliver packages to that same address in the south side of Chicago because he suspected identity theft. Alicia went down to the post office and threw a huge fit and eventually got her packages. Um, again, there's not much to that story. I'm, I'm assuming that the um, post office um, has been reached. Uh, um, authorities have reached out to them um, and they're cooperating with the investigation. Um, this morning in court, prosecutors said... Um, prosecutor... Steve, um, I'm sorry, Prosecutor James Costello said, once this was done, the defendant then raided the account for a variety of information. Um, this is talking about how Alicia got into, was able to hack into Taraji's email address, and then um, she was able to steal credit card information and whatnot from there. 
Um, Taraji is not the only victim. There are other victims. Um, but she was the only one cited by the Chicago Tribune in their report on the story. Um, uh, again, the judge did allow Alicia out on bail. Um, but she's not to reach out to any of the victims, including Taraji. Um, or any witnesses... Um, that could come forward with the case. Um, like I said, this is a breaking and developing story. As soon as I get more information, I'm going to bring it to you probably in another episode of, of the show. Um, but as soon as I know anything, I will let you know. For right now, though, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And in case you lived under a rock or anywhere where there's no electricity, media, or social media, um, you may not have heard that Will & Grace is coming to an end again. Um, The upcoming season um, is going to be the final one for the Fab Four. Um, If you listen to the Upfront Gossip um, episode, you'll know that this is not necessarily a surprise. Um... With ratings declining, and um, with that finale, which we're going to talk about the finale and some things um, that I that I think in just a few minutes. Um, but first, let's get through the technical part of this. So, when the first season of the revival was a huge hit for NBC, um, Willie Grace was. Retained their title as the number one sitcom on NBC. Um, and the ratings were fabulous. The second season of the revival petered out a little bit. Um, it was bringing in about half of the audience of the first season. And... Um, NBC had already renewed it for additional seasons and there was probably a very strong penalty for not having it back on the air. So they shelved it for mid-season just like they did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Now some people saw this as writing on the wall. Um, Of course they ended up being correct. But there's one thing I do want to say about um, a show being held for mid-season. Mid-season is no longer... Where shows go to die. Um, I, that was definitely true in the past. But in the modern era, it, that it's just no longer the case. Um, it, in the modern era, mid-season simply means that the network was trying out new things. They were experimenting a little bit, and they're going back to their old reliables, knowing that they're going to bring in the big ratings. Um, and along with, uh, along with Will and Grace ending, NBC's also losing um, The Good Place, which recently, again, if you listen to the Emmy nomination episode, you know um, they recently scored... A ton of nominations, especially for a broadcast 
comedy. Um, so they're losing two big shows. Um, believe it or not, The Good Place and Will and Grace are the, still the top two comedies. Um, so I think what's going to start happening is they're going to have to start looking at what audience they're trying to reach. And I think that's honestly one of the things that they did. Um, so there's that. Um, the creators um, released this message. We think of Will and Grace, of the Will and Grace reboot episodes, the way Karen Walker thinks of Martinis. Fifty-one is not enough, and fifty-three is too many. That is why, after consulting with the cl- with the cast, we all have decided this will be the final season of Will and Grace. Here's the thing. First of all. I think with Reboot Mania dying down a bit, um, people were really wondering whether or not Will and Grace had something to say. And even though we're living in a, in a politically um, tumultuous era... Will and Grace didn't seem to really be adding to the conversation the way it once did. Um, and I think perhaps it was because of the weight of its own past. Um, when Will and Grace premiered uh, back in the 90s, there had never been a gay lead on a sitcom, on a network sitcom at that. And then suddenly we had two. Um... And I, I forgot where I read this, and if, if any of you know, or if you're the author of, of this piece, please, for the love of God, write to me and let me know, because I want to give you credit. Um, but basically the piece said that part of the appeal of Will and Grace back in the 90s when it first debuted was the fact that the characters insulted one another. They used queer. They used um, insults that were hurled at us all the time um, in a very um, in a in a very funny way, and where it kind of defanged, um, where it really defanged. Critics of the show. Uh, with that being said, the revival did lack that spark. Um, and I don't know if they were just being conscious of um, political correctness or um, what happened. But there was, there was a little bit of a defanging. Even Karen's insults, which were once the height of comedy, seemed bland. Um, the constant mentions of Trump and Karen's relationship to Melania and Donald just didn't feel organic. It felt like the, the writers pushed them in. But 
I think there's also a case to be made that the cast and the creators actually really did always intend on um, doing three seasons and being done. Um, the last three episodes of the second season returned to the brilliant writing. Um, and those episodes really stand up to... The, the classic episodes of the first run of the show. Um, especially the finale, where... It, the finale actually felt like a series finale. Um, with just enough stories left open to where they could do the third season. Um, in case you missed the finale, Jeff got married to Estefan. Um... Karen started to wonder about herself and wonder where she was going in her life. Um, Grace chased the man off on vacation. And Will proposed to McCoy. So my thought is, they're probably... The third season is going to revolve around... Will and Grace planning his wedding to McCoy um, and anchoring things and and basically saying goodbye. And I think one of the, um, for me as a writer, one of the biggest things for me is um, Grace has been married. Grace has been married on the show. Um, of course, infamously to Leo, and the show started with her being engaged to another man. Um, Jack has been married twice, once to Rosario and now to Estefan. Karen has always been married to Stanley, so this is the first time where she's really single and things are reversing. Um, but Will has always been the single guy. And so I think building a season-long arc around him is probably the way they're going to go. And I'm hoping for an homage to um, the pilot episode all the way back in the 90s. Where, um, you know... Grace and Will, Grace doesn't particularly like McCoy, which will take a lot to do because um, she seems really okay with him, but these writers, when they're, when they're on, they're on, and they can be brilliant. Um, and my, before I go, my, my honest to goodness hope for the final season is this. Give us the nostalgia of the first season. Don't keep retelling the same stories. Give us new, fresh stories. And for the love of God, try to get Shelley Morrison back for at least a cameo appearance. Because we need one more row, row. And Karen fight. And I need to take a break. 
and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And Ariana Grande really stepped in it this weekend. Um, she deleted the Instagram post, but um, she left it up long enough for fans to take screenshots and criticize her for it. She said, um, one of her friends shared a photo of a tabloid magazine um, that had John Bonet Ramsey on the cover with the caption, No one has done more covers. And. Ariana Grande said, I can't wait for this to be your Halloween look. To which her friend said, working on it already. Now, for those of you who don't know or are unfamiliar, JonBenet Ramsey was a beauty queen, um, a six-year-old beauty queen who was brutally murdered in the basement of her parents' house. Um, It's an unsolved murder that has rocked the Colorado community where they live and fascinated um, people, including true crime aficionados, for years. Um, There have been movies, there have been countless books and think pieces and articles um, written up about this murder. Recently, JonBenet's brother... Um, I forgot what his name is, but JonBenet's brother sued CBS after they alleged... Um, after a documentary where experts alleged that he was the one to have committed the murder and the parents covered it up. And so with with all that information... Making a joke about it, probably not the right way to go. Here are just some of the responses that she got. Um, One person said, wait, what? An eight-year-old girl who was violently killed, strangled, and suffocated cannot be anyone's costume. Um, another fan wrote, Sis, you left a comment for a whole day. You only apologized once you saw we called you out on it. Um, and other people have taken to um, saying that they can't be her fan anymore. That she has really crossed the line this time. And there are, um, and there are people who are suggesting um, other acts for them to follow. Um, like I said, Ariana, quote unquote, sincerely apologizes for offending anyone. But, and this is where I'm going to take a lot of heat. I'm all for someone being controversial. Or making a stupid joke. Lord knows Will and I both have made our fair share of stupid jokes. Mandy and I make stupid jokes um, all the time. And I certainly would not want people to unfan us for, for that reason. But, and here's where the big butt is. I know I'm not talking about my big butt. <laughs> When we make those jokes, it's in private conversation. 
where if it's offensive, we know the audience. Will and Manny both know I will laugh at just about anything. Because I love to laugh. <laughs> and I know their limits. Sometimes I'll try to push a little bit, but not too far. Never too far. <laughs> and that's one of the things. None of us would ever joke about a dead kid. Especially in a situation like this where the, the child was brutally murdered and the mystery is unsolved. If anything, we're putting on our thinking hats and trying to solve the case because we think we're the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. And if you're getting a mental picture of this, I just need you to know that Will and Mandy are the Hardy Boys and I am Nancy Drew. Thank you very much. Okay? Okay. <laughs> oh, I am going to get it tonight when they listen to this. They're both going to be messaging me at the same time, yelling at me. I promise you. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, Mandy and Will, instead of yelling at me via text, how about you leave me a voice message on Anchor so that everyone can hear it? <laughs> I'm really just trying to keep myself out of trouble, guys. <laughs> Alright, now that I'm in trouble, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. And, okay. So, one of the reasons... Or one of the things that kept me from recording last week was I was working on a big project. It was not supposed to be as big as it turned out to be. I was thinking maybe a couple, you know, a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred words. Um, I was doing a literary analysis of uh, while I was sleeping the Mindy, the season four premiere of the Mindy Project. Um, I had watched it. Just on a whim one day um, while I was working. And it kind of, something sparked in my mind. And I was like, oh. So, I, I, a lot of you know, um, maybe you, if you don't know, I don't have a college degree. Um, I've been to college. I just never um, graduated. But Will has, and Will is brilliant. Like, y'all don't understand. That man is truly, truly brilliant. Um, I, I just can't stress that enough. We had a really intense conversation about the love triangle between Peta, Katniss, and um, Gail from The Hunger Games. And I was just really deeply inspired by his read on it. Um, For his sake, you guys got to talk to him because I can't do it justice. Um, But suffice it to say, you know, I I really do admire him. Despite the jokes and everything, I really do listen to his ideas for the show. Um, And I really do try to incorporate as many as I think are feasible and as many as I think will actually work. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why this partnership works out so well is because he accepts me for who I am. He knows I'm, you know, in writing on the pantser. I don't ever have a plan. I always have a germ of an idea and it just takes off from there. And I respect him because he... He plots out every single minute detail. 
Um, in the book he's writing, um, he has so much backstory that he literally could create a whole other set of books around the backstory. Um, like I said, he's brilliant. Uh, so one of the first things I did before I undertook this project was to ask him for guidance. And he happily gave it to me. Um, and, uh, you know, there was never any doubt about that. Um, there's rarely any doubt that if I ask for help that I'll get it from Will. Um, because he's just that kind of man. You know, if if someone says, please help me, or what advice would you give? He will give it no matter what. Um, with that being said, I said about, he gave me the advice, told me not to overthink things like I always do. And... Um, so I started. I just finished, I just wrapped it up today. I came in at just under 5,000 words. Um, so right now I'm, I'm debating if I'm going to post it somewhere or if I'm going to, um, put it in a book or if I'm going to, um, publish it as a standalone. Um... But that, the, the whole thesis of this is um, Mindy Kaling was using the season four premiere of the Mindy Project to, um, as a mediation on the business aspect of it, the entertainment industry. You know, everyone always says it's show business, not show friends. And she really... From my take, she really took that to heart and put in a lot of Easter eggs, put in a lot of, um, put a lot of thought into it, even in the foreshadowing and in the storyline. Um, and so, with me, I started thinking about. I started thinking about things like that in my own, you know, um, you you all know I don't believe, and not that I don't believe in traditional publishing, I I do, I know it exists, I know, um, if someone offered me a decent contract, I would take it in a heartbeat, because I don't know any author that would turn it down, turning down a traditional publishing contract, it seems crazy to me. As long as it's good. Um, the contracts I've seen thus far have not been good. Um, you know, I, without getting into specifics, I was offered one where it was actually going to cost me money. It was going to cost me more money than I was going to get in return. And I was going to have less control over, over my, um, over my work. And I was not okay with that. Um, so, I, 
I took that experience and started becoming an indie author. One of the things that I learned as an indie author is, and, and they do this in traditional publishing too, but a lot of times what will happen is they'll, um, especially novel writers, novel writers and playwrights um, do this a lot. They'll find subjects that they're interested in and they'll throw out um, a traditional publishing, uh, traditional published authors will generally target a magazine, um, Newsweek or Time or something of that sort, to test the waters to see if there's an interest. Um, and they'll also, um, indie authors also do this, but they target blogs. Um, whether it's their own or um, a popular one like Huffington Post, Entertainment Weekly used to let you um, post for free in their community. Um, BuzzFeed used to also let you post for, um, you don't get paid, but you would be able to post it in their community. And then you could just watch to test the, the popularity of the article. Uh, one of my articles was Kyle Dean Killed was posted and it's just really taking on in a life of its own which has led me to think I need to look into um, writing a book around that particular subject because I've done no promotion for that at all so I'm not sure exactly what's propelled it to go viral but it has. Um, and so that, getting back to the Mindy Kaling project, I, that's, I kind of looked at that and I was like, all right. You know, theoretically speaking, I, I have one-tenth of a book done if I decide to go the book route. Um, but people are reading shorter and shorter these days. So I could easily put it up on Amazon for 99 cents as a short read, um, free on Kindle Unlimited. And this is one of those evergreen scenarios where it's not going to go... It's not going to go bad. Like, it's not going to change. The season premiere is always going to be the season premiere. This is my take on it. You know, and if it's a hit out of the gate, well, damn, I just found a lucrative uh, new side business along with doing the um, Drunk Gossip Companion books and my other writing. I can, you know, watch episodes of shows and boom, there you are. Boom, there you are. Of course, if it's not lucrative, I haven't lost anything. I can pull it off Amazon and throw it up on Medium or on um, HVY or Vocal or wherever where it'll have a shelf life and, you know, if people want to quote it or whatever, they're more than able to. Um, One of my true crime articles up on Medium was recently highlighted and quoted... (coughs) Um, 
in a, a scholarly paper. So these things happen. So I really, this whole segment was a big thank you to Will for opening my eyes to this sort of thing. Because I used to hate it. I used to think, oh my God, that's so stupid. Sometimes an author is just saying the curtains are blue. And I still stand by that prognosis. You know, some, I don't think everything needs a deep read. But if, if there's something that you see that you really, you really think, go in depth. Make sure you have an argument that can really support your thesis. And, and have fun with it. Mindy Kaling did. And so did I. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to come right back. And I'm back. So this is kind of a weird um, end segment, but I thought it was a really cool way. It's something I'm going to try out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work and we won't do it again. But instead of, I mean, today, instead of the big story being, you know, a big celebrity story that's happening right now, I wanted to talk about a blind item reveal that was really, really good. Um, it's called, um, the blind item was called Confidence to Pull. It's on blindgossip.com. For all the best blind items, head on over to Blind Gossip. Um, and it's all about the Casey Affleck Summer Phoenix breakup. Now, in the blind item, they're saying that Casey Affleck could not keep his zipper up. Um, and was constantly cheating on Summer Phoenix. And um, they're alleging that four months after the breakup of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, Summer Phoenix finally got the confidence to pull the plug on her own relationship. Um, And they give a little bit of a backstory, so I'm going to let them tell it um, with their own words. Casey Affleck started dating Hokeen's sister, um, Summer Phoenix. It's, it turned into a long relationship, but not a good one. Supposedly, they started dating in 2000, got married in 2006, separated in 2015, announced their separation in 2016, and filed for door, divorce in 2017 or 2018, depending on which reports you believe. The, the divorce was just finalized just a few weeks ago in June of 2019. They have two children together. Um... And there were, there were so many rumors that Casey Affleck was cheating on Summer. Um, when Joaquin Phoenix did that weird documentary, um, Casey Affleck was a producer and director of it. And at least two women claimed that he sexually harassed them on set. One came forward with her full story. Um... The uh, the allegations are that he instructed crew members to flash their privates at the female producers and crew. And allegedly he withheld one woman's pay when she complained about him. He referred to women as cows and described his sexual exploits with celebrities in vulgar terms. He also uh, grabbed a woman and tried to intimidate other women into sleeping with him and even crawled into bed with one of them while he was drunk. 
Um, he settled the he settled the harassment cases for millions and millions of dollars. But he still says he's innocent. Um, Brie Larson infamously refused to share a stage with Casey. Um, at, at the Oscars. They were supposed to present together and she was like, no, mm-mm, not doing it. Um, and, you know, and she cited why. The Oscars graciously, of course, let Casey say that he, um, he was just too busy. He couldn't do it. Um, but we all knew the truth. I mean, this was a given. Um, over on Crazy Days and Nights, Indie Lawyer has written tons and tons about how Casey Affleck and Ben Affleck both um, have harassed and slept with women and then tried to pro- proclaim their innocence and tried to act like they were they were the innocent victims of some sort of sabotage attempt. Um, but the truth is starting to leak out slowly. Um, Jennifer Gardner knew. Uh, I, <clears throat> and people will say whatever they want about Jennifer Gardner. But she is one smart lady. She knew that her husband was cheating on her. But instead of making a big to-do about it, she quietly filed for divorce. She never trashed him in public, um, and she very well could have, um, especially um, there was a woman here in Detroit, and, and in fact, in the Royal Oak area where uh, I'm from, who claimed that Ben Affleck slept with her and got her pregnant. Now, this actually, it started off as a Crazy Days and Nights blind item. But the media, at least the local media, picked up on it and was reporting on it. I reported on it during my Generation Gossip days. Um, she got, he got her pregnant and gave her herpes. And, you know, there were, um, there are just so many rumors about him. And the same thing with Casey Affleck. There have been so many, so many, um, allegations and whatnot. And here's where I think this is a little braggy on my um for my taste, but I think blind gossip actually deserves credit for this. They say why we can't imagine why Summer Phoenix didn't want to say married to this lovely, sober, tem- temperate, respectful man. It is interesting to know that Casey and Summer announced their separation just four months after Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner announced their separation. 
Watching how Jennifer handled her separation from men gave Summer a solid and dignified blueprint to follow. Uh, and uh, obviously, very true. Um, I don't think that there's anyone in their right mind who who fault either woman for what happened to their marriages. They were bad marriages. When your husband is sexually assaulting women, probably time to get out. And I just do want to say, um, for the record, it, I don't know of any sexual assault allegations against Ben Affleck. All of his cheating and womanizing seems to have been consensual. Um, unless I'm missing something, which I very well could be because... With his, with the way his brother acts. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and if you recall, uh, last summer, a judge told Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck. Oh, maybe it wasn't last summer. Maybe it was. It was this year. In any case, a judge told Jennifer Gardner and Ben Affleck that if they didn't finalize their divorce within a certain amount of time, he was going to just throw the whole thing out and they were going to have to start all over again. Um, And they ended up finalizing that divorce fairly fast. So I'm kind of wondering why Casey Affleck and Summer Phoenix weren't given that warning. Uh, I'm thinking that we're going to probably hear about um, their divorce coming a lot sooner than um, a lot sooner than what we were being told. And I'm pretty sure both um, well, not both. um, Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck um, allegedly announced their separation before um, they hit the 10-year mark. I think Casey Affleck and Summer Phoenix had just passed their 10-year anniversary when they announced their divorce. Um, the reason why the 10-year mark is so important is because in California, where both couples reside... Uh, ten year at the ten year mark, you get half of everything from your spouse. So, um, in the case of Summer Phoenix, I, I mean, neither of them make a ton of money, but um, in the case of Summer Phoenix, she's probably gathering quite a bit of money right now from him. And good on her for, you know, she put up with that shit for so long. Um, Jennifer Gardner, like I said, uh, and Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck probably does pull in a, a nice paycheck. But Jennifer Gardner is is really beloved. And, um, you know, she, she's no slouch in the, in the payday department herself. So their slow is probably much easier. And... That's going to do it for me for today. That was really easy for me to say. Um, Thank you all so much for listening, as always. 
And until next time, cheers.